Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. My name is Ryan, and today we will be discussing the most universal aspect of life among all creatures on this earth, and that's food. Everyone needs to eat to survive, but people eat for different reasons. Some eat to simply sustain life. Some eat because they have a well-developed palate and love to try new dishes from different countries. A culture can often be defined by their food. Food brings people together, and food is a very big part of my life. When I was a child, I didn't grow up loving food. I didn't spend hours poring over cookbooks, learning from master chefs. I wasn't in the kitchen learning how to roast a chicken with thyme and rosemary. I didn't strive to be able to perfectly turn a potato. I didn't know how to make any of the mother sauces. I never had any desire as a young kid to become a chef and run my own kitchen one day. My family ate dinner together every day, but I never realized how important that really was. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and always had food on the table for us. She packed our lunch. She made us breakfast for us before we went off to school and put dinner on the table every night. My mom made your basic mom food. Shake and bake pork chops, mac and cheese, chicken and rice. Every meal we had always consisted of a protein, starch, and a vegetable. Her food was never anything adventurous, but always good. Later in life, I found out my mom's least favorite thing to do while we were growing up was cooking. She absolutely hated it. As an adult, I realized how much I appreciated always having dinner ready for us. One of the worst aspects of adulthood is the fact that you have to decide on what to make for dinner every single day until you die. Let that sink in. My dad looked at food completely differently than my mom. It wasn't just sustainment. He wanted us to eat what he liked to eat. And my dad loved steak. If he had his way, we would have steak at least three times a week. He loved it so much his doctors told him if he continued to eat this way, his cholesterol would one day kill him. My mom stuck to her mom food menu, but my dad liked to experiment when he cooked. I remember one of the best things he ever made. He stuffed pork chops with apples, rice, and mushrooms, glazed them with something before he threw them on the grill. My dad was super happy with how the chops came out, and he knew they were good because no one spoke at the dinner table because we were enjoying them too much. This was a time before you could just hop on the interweb and Google recipes. He created this dish in his head and executed it perfectly. My first experience with cooking was in Kansas when I was a kid. The Masato family used to babysit my sister and I when my parents were busy, and Mr. Masato taught me how to cook eggs. He showed me how to crack eggs into the bowl, scramble them with a little milk while heating up the pan. He told me to add a little butter while cooking to help the eggs not stick and to add a little flavor. I made sure the pan wasn't too hot so as to not burn the eggs. Once the eggs started to firm up, I stirred them with my spatula, back and forth, back and forth. When they were no longer runny, I put them on a plate, added a little salt and pepper, and enjoyed. Some chefs to this day will ask you to make an omelet for them if you're applying to work for them in their kitchen. They feel it's a sign of knowing the basics and shows whether you will make it in their team. Eggs are some of the most versatile ingredients to cook with and still one of my favorite things to eat. 
I recently watched the entire season of The Bear on Hulu. The Bear, by the way, is one of the best representations of kitchen life I have ever seen on the big or small screen. It shows that one's passion for food never leaves. It just changes locations. I highly recommend you binge this show sooner than later. I also love cooking competition shows, especially Top Chef. Top Chef is a great show to keep up with what's going on in the culinary world. While re-watching the first season, you see how much things have changed, but one thing remains the same. Good food always wins. On Top Chef, the contestants always have storybook beginnings in kitchens. They learned family recipes from their grandparents or worked in their parents' restaurants. They became part of the kitchen world as young children. Or they started as a dishwasher and eventually got the call up to the big leagues and never looked back. I didn't do any of this as a kid. I just loved to eat and was happy with almost everything we had. Except peas. I hated peas. With the home chef emerging, the food world took a weird turn. One thing I learned from my many years of working in kitchens was the ability to make a dish over and over again, but keeping the consistency there. The word chef is misused by those on Instagram and YouTube. These home chefs would say, look at this dish I made and how perfect it is. It's so easy, you can do it in your own kitchen. You can make it if you have the $3,000 oven with spider burners or the Japanese chef's knives that can slice paper with ease or all the equipment normally found in professional kitchens. Most of these people don't have the luxury of these setups. I hate to break it to you, making a dish once in a controlled environment doesn't make you a chef. You made it once. Now do it again. Then do it again. Do it when you're hungover. Do it when you're short-staffed. Being a chef is not the same as a cook. A chef creates concepts. They create experiences for their diners. A chef gives a person an experience they will never forget. I think food is a dying art. The inability to perform basic tasks in a kitchen makes me concerned for the younger generation. With the wealth of knowledge available to these people, I feel it's inexcusable not to be able to cook basic things. You don't need to know how to French a rack of lamb and perfectly roast it with a side of palm puree and honey glazed baby carrots, but you should know how to boil water and cook pasta properly. I'm excited to teach my daughter Alice how to cook and not be a hazard in the kitchen. She's already interested in what I'm doing while I cook, but it's hard to teach her because she's a toddler. She doesn't understand things like the oven is hot and don't reach for that pan on the stove because you'll burn yourself. I don't want to be one of those parents who lets her learn the hard way because I feel it's a terrible parenting strategy. I hope one day, though, she'll grow up and appreciate the food she had and develop a high standard for quality. My professional cooking career did not have a normal beginning. I actually began working at drive-thru at a steak and shake in Columbus, Ohio. It was my first introduction to working in the food industry. Working as a production team member, I gained an appreciation for what food service industry employees really go through. Steak and shake, in my opinion, still has one of the best fast food milkshakes and burgers. Don't at me.
After working fast food, I wanted to work in a sit-down restaurant. I found a restaurant and started as a food runner before I began working in kitchens. I learned how restaurants work from the perspective of the front of house first. I worked my way up to server and eventually became a bartender. Bartending instilled the idea of consistency into my head. You have to follow recipes, but you develop your own style behind the bar. You want to make sure if a guest orders a drink from you, that they get the same thing that they ordered previously. Burger King's slogan of have it your way pushed me from front of house to the back of house. People took the idea of having it your way to extreme measures. What Burger King meant was if you didn't want onions or pickles on your Whopper, they could do that for you. They did not mean you could completely modify their food to your liking. People became entitled for no reason at all, but not all blame is to be placed on the king. I loved when people claimed to have allergies without any knowledge of what was in a dish. I had many people come up and order a dish without mushrooms and claim if their dish touched a mushroom, they would go into shock and have to stab themselves with an EpiPen and then they would sue the restaurant. But little did they know the sauce on that dish actually had mushrooms in it. I became too frustrated having to look people in the face while they lied to me, made it seem like I was their servant and not server. I decided to leave the front of the house. Thus, my adventure in the kitchen world began. I asked our kitchen manager at that restaurant if he had any availability in his kitchen. He saw how I, how I worked as a bartender and server and decided to give me a shot. He gave me a spot on his kitchen schedule as a prep cook. I started cutting vegetables and preparing stocks and sauces. The kitchen was a different world I'd never experienced. Everyone was there just to do their job and then go home. I learned basic knife skills. I even have a tattoo on my left forearm of a cleaver cutting a bloody onion. It represents the first time I learned how to not use a knife. I was slicing onions and had poor positioning on my non-cutting hand and sliced a quarter of an inch off the top of my thumb. My tattoo is a constant reminder, never do that again. Working in a large chain restaurant teaches you how to pump out food efficiently and quickly. The food in these places is all about quantity first and then quality. You're just a cog in the machine making the CEOs more money. There's no passion. It's all numbers. It wasn't until I started working fine dining that I learned what food could be. I learned what an excellent dining experience was. I took another job after slinging food out of a walk, working under Chef Martin. Martin was a young, cocky chef who took pleasure in making people cry when they were wrong. He lived by the sex, drugs, and rock and roll mantra. He partied hard but remained a beast in the kitchen. Martin and his sous chef Chris taught me how to really throw down. They taught me how to break down fish, butcher chicken, and build sauces from scratch. I learned how to create dishes for daily specials with what was in the walk-in cooler. He taught me how to run kitchens and how to love food. I consider myself an artist and cooking fine dining food is an art form in itself. People eat with their eyes first and it sets up the expectation for a dish when it's placed in front of a guest. Martin taught me this. His crew were the lost boys of Neverland. I became part of his crew and I can never thank him enough for taking a chance on me. This restaurant was my introduction to the fine dining culinary world. 
To take a quick break from food, I would like to tell you all to be safe in a kitchen. The worst injury I saw in a kitchen was done by a guy doing something stupid. When you cut large wheels of cheese, you need to use a cheese knife. This is a giant blade with handles on both ends to provide leverage. Now this guy decided to forego safety for convenience and ended up slicing two tendons and a nerve in his hand. I was doing my own thing, prepping for the day, while he was attempting to cut a wedge of cheese, and then I heard, oh, it's bad. I turned around and saw blood everywhere. This big mistake cost him months of work and hurt our team, but probably not as much as it hurt him. So again, just please be safe out there. During the 2010s, food trucks became the new hotness in the country. Street food had always been a thing in the world, but America put quality food on trucks and drove around cities to feed the people. If a food truck was worth its weight in salt, they would provide great food but have a limited menu compared to a standalone restaurant. I really liked the idea of owning a food truck. Up to this point in my cooking career, I had always worked for someone. A food truck provided the dream of working for myself. It would give one the freedom to do what they wanted and not have to answer to anyone. I came up with concepts and menus. I drew up layouts for a truck and even came up with a name and a logo. Then I found out food trucks don't have running water and I was out. The dream of ownership is still there, but now is not the time for me. Food became my life. It was all I thought about. I read books, followed chefs on social media, and tried to keep up with the culinary world. I became obsessed. Food is an ever-evolving monster. 20 years ago, food was pretentious. Chefs kept cooking secrets to themselves. No one wanted to share techniques. If you wanted their food, you had to go to their restaurant and try it for yourself. Over the last couple of decades, the culinary world had become more laid back and less stuffy. There are less fine dining restaurants and more casual dining experiences out there. There are less chef coats in the kitchen and more t-shirts and hipster aprons these days. After working for Martin, I took a job as a chef de cuisine at one of the fanciest restaurants in Albuquerque, Elaine's. I worked under Chef Andrew and Chef Garrick. Now these guys' worlds revolved around food. Garrick and Andrew were both graduates of one of the most prestigious culinary schools in America and worked in some of the best spots in the country. They worked long hours, but as their number two, I worked even longer. Applying for this job with these guys was so stressful. They were using cooking techniques I had never heard of. I almost messed up a piece of salmon they were going to cook in a water bath by throwing it on the grill, and I watched it fall apart. It was almost a disaster. I almost didn't get the job. But for some reason, they took a leap of faith with me. While working at Elaine's, I was taught both old school and new school cooking techniques. Cooking under sous vide was all the rage during this time. We vacuum sealed fillets of beef with fat and herbs and cooked them at a specific temperature, then finished them in a pan to seal in the flavor. We compressed melons and wrapped them in prosciutto and fried them with tempura batter and served them with homemade caramel. I saw plating I had only read about while working under these two. I learned really how to wow people with food. Our miso ramen with roasted pork belly won best ramen in the city, and that was something I was always proud of. My biggest takeaway from working at Elaine's was how chefs cook for themselves. 
After spending all day at cooking at the highest level, most of us eat mac and cheese from a box or stuff thrown together from leftovers. Sometimes you would get your caloric intake for the day from beer alone. But if Andrew and Garrick made craft from the blue box, they still seasoned their food. Always. After Elaine's, I achieved the highest position in the cooking world and was given my very own kitchen. I was a chef of a restaurant in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This job was a constant uphill struggle from the start until the day I left. I did get the opportunity to create my own menu eventually, but before reopening the place, I had to deep clean everything as the previous chef did not care at all. I had to completely reestablish the reputation of the restaurant and try and win the people back. I was making my own food though. I was so proud, but so stressed. I was working 80 plus hour work weeks, but it was in my restaurant. During Thanksgiving, I stayed at the hotel and maybe got five hours of sleep over a 48 hour period because I was short staffed and completely booked. I made it happen though, because it had to be done. The food in Santa Fe is pretentious because that's what the people want. I enjoyed cooking fine dining food for people who wanted it, but not the ones who felt they deserved it. Chefs in the city also walked around with a smugness and thought they were better than you. It was quite the toxic environment to work in. So after 13 years in the culinary world, I decided to make a drastic change in my career, and I enlisted in the United States Army. Food in the Army is all about sustainment, not necessarily enjoyment. Meals ready to eat or MREs are a staple for field exercises. There are some good MREs and some bad ones, but the great ones have the great snacks. If you've never depended on MREs for sustainment, consider yourself lucky. Military dining facilities provide what soldiers need. When I tell people what I did before the army, they ask me why I didn't join as a cook. To be honest, I didn't want to cook professionally anymore. I was done. I'd peaked in my opinion. I joined the army before I became a cook who lost his passion and was just cooking for a paycheck. I had learned everything I wanted to, and one day I hoped to pass those skills off to my daughter. Food is life. Everything on the planet needs to eat in order to survive. Food was and is still a passion of mine. I learned so much about myself while working in kitchens. I learned I can overcome adversity and still produce to the highest standards. Not everyone needs to be a fine dining chef, but I feel it's important to know just the basics. I want to thank you for spending time listening to this podcast. I hope you took something away from it. Join me again as I discuss other things I'm good at, but not necessarily great. And remember, as the saying goes, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than the master of one.